So let's ask a man who probably knows a lot more about the matter. Former advisor to the SecDef under Trump, our pal, retired Colonel Doug McGregor, back on the program. Colonel, how about it? You think it's Russian propaganda, or do you think Zelensky is getting really desperate? Oh, I think this is an act of desperation by the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians have infiltrated teams into Russia before and launched uh, unmanned aircraft or drones at various targets. <clears throat> the, the border is endless. It's uh, 1,100 miles forested. It's very easy to penetrate. And uh, they got close enough to launch these things at the Kremlin. Now, did it make any difference? Absolutely not. Is it going to change anything? No. Uh, and that's why I say this is an act of desperation. The Ukrainians no longer have any air defenses. We've got to stop and consider that you were in the Air Force. When ground forces have no air defense, it's a turkey shoot on the ground. And that's exactly what's happening right now as we're talking. Many, many strikes are going in all over Ukraine. A lot of them are being launched from aircraft. So Ukraine's in deep trouble, and there's no easy way out. Hmm. You said something like this has happened before. Have we heard of uh, Ukrainian soldiers or spies actually in-country carrying this out, and then they've been killed or apprehended, so there's some proof or evidence, not just Russia saying that? Yes. In fact, they've captured some teams that never weren't ever able to launch anything. But you'll recall just a few months ago, there were attacks on a couple of air bases, one of which was the Engels Air Force Base in southern Russia. And they did manage to strike an aircraft on, on one occasion and do some damage. So th this is not the first time. What's interesting about this, of course, is that they penetrated deeply enough to reach the Kremlin and at least strike the building in which allegedly President Putin uh, resides. But it's irrelevant. It's, it's an act of desperation. There's not much the Ukrainians can do. Once the ground dries out, there are hundreds of thousands of Russian troops with hundreds of thousands of guns and tanks and so forth that are going to move forward and sweep everything before them. And I think Zelensky knows that. Mm. Where does that leave us? $118 billion price tag and counting. Um, you have <clears throat> members of both sides of the aisle in the Senate and a couple in the House, obviously this White House, all saying we support Ukraine, we're defending Ukraine, we're going to keep sending money. But it sounds like from you and from others I've had on this program, it's a bottomless empty pit because this war is going to go nowhere even if we continue to throw billions of dollars at it. In 1967, General William Westmoreland went all over the country announcing imminent victory for U.S. forces in Vietnam. He insisted that the Viet uh, North Vietnamese were defeated, the communists were on the run, and we had, quote-unquote, turned the corner. And LBJ uh, stood by him and echoed that sentiment. Then in January of 1968, we got the Tet Offensive. We know the rest of the story. Mm. It brought down LBJ's administration. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar happen to President Biden and his supporters on the Hill. They'll look ridiculous. And the, the bad news is Ukraine will have been destroyed. And uh, hundreds of thousands of people killed, millions driven out of, the, out of the country. And for what? Because of our vanity? Because we thought we could use them to harm Russia? Russia is stronger now than ever. Its economy is booming. What a disaster. Exactly. And all those, like you said, innocent civilians 
if Biden just would have forced these two to the bargaining table instead of continuing this war. Uh, but it does have to do with Russia in connection to China. And I think you and I may have spoken about this the last time you appeared on the program, and that's China trying to work with Pakistan and other nations over there to connect a railway so they can start shipping more goods and services and become more independent because, as you've said on the program, they lack a lot of food and certain supplies. And they also want to get their goods and products out to make more money. This is a good, a bad thing. I mean, China keeps getting bigger and bigger, and all we pay attention to these days under the Biden regime is Russia instead of the main adversary we should be, China. Well, I think we need to pay attention to our own economic health, and that's where we've fallen down badly. We should be interested in competing economically with what the Chinese are doing. The Chinese walk into Africa or other countries. They come in with cash. They want to do business. They make it very clear they're not going to interfere in the internal affairs of these countries. They're just there to do business. And so the Chinese are welcome. We show up and we threaten everyone unless they adhere to whatever we say the standard is for political development. Mm. We're trying to tinker with everybody's business. That's a disaster. But in this particular case, this railroad has been under construction for a long time. And the Pakistanis were, were essentially given an ultimatum. You know, you've got to secure this railroad for us in which case we'll run it all the way down to the Indian Ocean, which allows, as you pointed out, the Chinese to export through Pakistan, but at the same time also to bring in the natural resources that are available to the Pakistanis. But they were told, if you don't do this, then we'll go exclusively through Iran. And they've already discovered they can't go through Afghanistan for obvious reasons. It can't be secured. This is a, this is a problem they're going to confront all over the Eurasian continent. We have a huge advantage. If we'll build the fast sea lift, and build the fast rail lines across the United States. We can outpace the Chinese. We can deliver goods and services faster. We can import faster, export faster than the Chinese can. Fill me in on this uprising and this conflict in Sudan and how it came to be before we get to this exit. And if it's going to be successful, God help us, hopefully not deadly. Well, the... Story in Sudan is a complex one. Dan, what you and, and your viewers need to understand is that sadly, Sudan has experienced more conflict than peace over the last several hundred years. Mm. This is another conflict that involves both ideological opposition, you know, parties, but also tribal conflicts overlap with it. We have uh, Russians who have some interest in Sudan, uh, some European powers, ourselves, squabbling over resources, particularly in the south with regard to oil. The, the bottom line is that the place is falling apart. These people are killing each other, and they're starting to look for opportunities to kill us. So we've really got to get out. The, the question is, what, what took us so long to make the decision to get our uh, American citizens out of the place? It wasn't as though we didn't see this coming. Mm. We've been through this in Sudan before. And the question is, how do we get in and get out without losing aircraft? Because now the Sudanese have access to a lot of technologies that they didn't have before. Wow. You know, I, something that scared me about this whole thing, uh, if we can bring the article guys up about the WHO, not that I trust the WHO, of course, after the COVID pandemic, but the WHO is warning now, and we just heard Joe <laughs> Biden say it the other day, and a bunch of folks in his regime, oh, we could be facing another global outbreak in the next year, so we better be prepared right in time for another election. But the WHO puts this out yesterday. They're very worried about a huge biological outbreak because we have national biolabs in the Sudan. 
And so if they're attacked by some of these rebels or whatever and exposed, we're talking about now releasing possible different viruses into the world again. <laughs> well, I think I think in Sudan they're worried primarily about the, the measles and polio. Okay. Uh, polio has been largely eradicated. Measles are still with us. But the bottom line is that they're right. And the question we ought to be asking is, just as we had these laboratories in Ukraine about which no one has said anything lately, right. which in many cases <laughs> appear to have been even more dangerous, now we have these laboratories in Sudan. What are we doing in these various poor countries? Remember, Ukraine's the poorest country in Europe. Why are we setting up these laboratories in these places? What is, what is our goal? It's a very disturbing picture that's beginning to emerge. And by the way, this doesn't help us globally at all. Wow. You mentioned Ukraine and the labs that were there. Let's go over to that one quick. Get your take on these latest reports from those leaked documents. Um, some interesting stuff that we're learning. So there's going to be a new offensive launched by Ukraine. They're going to try and take back territory. You know this war in and out. What's going on? Is that legit? Well, what we know now uh, are things along the following lines. We know that the Russians can intercept all of these uh, high-mobility rocket attacks and destroy the rockets in midair. We know that the Russians are destroying the artillery equipment and systems that we send over faster than we can get them set up. We know that the Russians have literally annihilated most of the air defense network, which was supposed to protect the Ukrainian forces from being destroyed by drones, rockets, missiles, and aircraft. The Russian Air Force is now operating increasingly with great freedom because Ukrainians have no means of stopping them. The bottom line is Ukrainian soldiers have died in great numbers. We estimate that they've now lost over 300,000 killed. Wow. Uh, within the last couple of weeks, there's evidence they've lost 4,000 men trying to potentially test or even break through existing Russian defenses. Uh, the situation is that it's too muddy to do much. We expect more rain in Ukraine uh, over the next couple of weeks, so it's still a huge sea of mud. I think the Russians are sitting back uh, comfortably behind their defenses. Any attempt by the Ukrainians to break through will be destroyed. And that's the real story that is now leaked out of the White House. People in the National Security Council staff know this is a dead end. Mm. Ukraine is losing. And the question is, what do we say? What do we do? All they've done is lie to us for over a year now about the great Ukrainian victory that's inevitable. They know that's not going to happen. They know we have no means of stopping the Russians once the Russians renew the offensive, which I think they will in June once everything dries out and the Ukrainians have exhausted themselves. Um, let's get after it on these documents. There's a huge investigation now. Well, they you, want heads to roll. I thought if you found out our government's lying, we have whistleblower programs to protect people so that the American people can know their government's lying to them and the whistleblower shouldn't be in trouble for that. But yet now they want heads to roll on this one. Well, how many R's do you have in the, the words fat chance? <laughs> I, mean, I, I wouldn't want to put my life at risk, uh, quite frankly, by leaking these kinds of documents. But someone somewhere in the defense apparatus obviously decided that he or she had had enough. And it, it appears that these documents were actually downloaded, then subsequently photographed, and then eventually uploaded separately. This makes it much harder, obviously, for the Defense Department to track down the culprit. But your points are very, very important. First and foremost, it goes through the various strikes that have landed on the Ukrainians over several months. 
and there has been a systematic effort to utterly destroy and disable the radars and the missile launchers that are part of the Ukrainian air defense. It's worked, and they're effectively naked. And you cannot survive on this battlefield unless you can counter the unmanned systems, uh, the overhead platforms, and the enemy's artillery. The second thing is it, it paints a grim picture of conditions inside Ukraine. The energy problems, the morale, the population, the numbers of people driven out of their homes and, and have voluntarily left the country. Again, this is not really news to you, Dan, and to me. We've been talking about these things. But it's news to a lot of people in the United States who have foolishly believed whatever the Biden administration told them. Correct. Yes. That's what, and again, Colonel, I'm like you. I know that, how do I put this so I don't upset <clears throat> our folks? <laughs> Look, we deserve the truth. And I'm talking to the viewers now, not the Colonel. And I want the truth on everything our government's doing, especially with our damn tax money. And I know lives are at risk here because that's a war zone. And if you leak certain documents, you can put lives in jeopardy and potentially get people killed. And that's why it's a bad thing to leak military plans. However, as the colonel just said, when millions of Americans are being lied to for over a year for a war that's costing us billions, that's killing tens of thousands of innocent Ukrainians, that's going to launch us into potential World War III with Russia and China, yes, by God, then I want some documents leaked and I want the damn truth. Yeah, Dan, I think there are a lot of Americans, and I know many of them in uniform, who are very concerned that there might be a, a very sudden decision made to move U.S. forces along with Polish forces into Western Ukraine. Mm -hmm. This this would be very ill-considered. It would be disastrous. It would put us into direct confrontation with Russian military power. It's not the sort of thing we want to do. And by the way, our NATO allies want nothing to do with it for the most part. But I think that's another motivation behind this. And then finally, just to reinforce something else you said, imagine if you're the German chancellor, the president of France, the president uh, or the prime minister of Japan, the president in South Korea, and you're finding out that your ally with whom you allegedly have a close relationship is monitoring everything you say and do. Second, so they're no longer second-guessing your decisions. They know the decisions you're making before you make them. Yeah, this does not bode well for our foreign relations. And I'll tell you, I heard this story, and you probably did too, Colonel, because you've been in that swamp, and I have not. I've only visited. <clears throat> but I've heard this from multiple sitting and past senators and President Trump told me this, that Joe Biden, during his 40-plus years as a senator and now as president, literally had the worst foreign policy and foreign policy knowledge of any sitting senator while he was in the Senate. And now he's the commander-in-chief. That's scary as hell. And you can see it every day in our relationships with our allies. Absolutely. And I don't see it getting any better in the near term. Colonel, a couple more things I want to throw out there. Um, so also revealed this week, Egypt secretly planning to supply rockets to Russia also came out in these leaked documents. Egyptian officials deny this is happening, but the documents say they are. What do you know about our ally or kind of ally, Egypt, <clears throat> given Russia rockets? Well, truthfully, Egypt has had a long relationship with Russia. Back in the days of the Soviet Union, the, the Soviets backed the Egyptians repeatedly in confrontations with Israel, but also provided a lot of foreign aid to them. And the Egyptians actually have a good rapport with the Russians. I, I'm not surprised by it. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Israelis, left to their own devices, would not also be interested in supporting the Russians. Hmm. We have to understand something, that for most of the people in the world, they don't see this through the Cold War lens that we have. Oh, uh, we, we, til- we still tend to look at Russia as evil, as something connected to the Soviet Union. Russia is no longer communist. It's a very different state, and many people in the world do not see it in those terms. So I'm not really surprised by that, and I don't think that is a, a menacing act from the standpoint of the United States to our interests. But I think the Egyptians, like many others, they want to keep the door open to Russia. Hmm. Well, I would go a step further even, too, and say... They also probably don't care if it upsets the Biden administration because it's not like our allies are respecting our alleged commander-in-chief like they did the previous administration. Nothing to do with Russia, but yeah, yeah it kind of does because it's a communist country, and that's China. Because we know that Jing was there, Xi Jinping rather, was there for a three-day visit a couple of weeks ago, buttering up to Putin, and they're obviously securing their alliance, which is going to be through energy, through finances, through weaponry, whatever. But that partnership is solid. And now we're seeing just this past weekend, China did a ready to fight military drill where they almost surrounded Taiwan and did like simulated bombings, like pretty much they were going to take over the whole country. Scary times. Colonel, your thoughts on what China just did this past weekend? Well, this is a message to the Chinese are not necessarily sending to us, but to the government on Taiwan. But keep in mind, the government in Taiwan also knows how difficult it is to seize that island. Uh, when we looked at Taiwan during the Second World War, Nimitz wrote it off and said it's too difficult to seize. They have almost no beaches to land on, uh, sheer rock faces almost around the entire island. Very difficult place to take. The Taiwanese know that. But also know that at the time this exercise was happening, just a few days prior, you had Lindsey Graham and Senators Rubio, I think, may have been part of it, talking about a, a potential blockade of the Strait of Malacca. Remember, everything that China imports in terms of food and energy goes through that strait. So the Chinese are not inclined to be very friendly to our interests at this point. But the deal with Russia is very simple. They can get all the energy and food they need from Russia. So if we think we're going to bring China to its knees by blockading it from the sea, that's not going to happen. Colonel, before we get to the meeting, though, I want to back up to the breaking news out of Syria and get your thoughts on the attack and the Biden regime's response. Sir? Well, the first question is, why are we there at all? I'm not sure we need to be in Syria. I I don't see the purpose behind it. And uh, there are only two things that that I ever hear in connection with our presence in Syria. Well, first of all, we need to be there to support Israel. Well, Israel knows more about what happens in the region than anybody, and the Israelis could launch those airstrikes if they felt the need to do so. And then secondly, if we pull out, the Turks and the Iranians are likely to go at it. Well, perhaps that's what should happen. But I don't think we really need to be there. And I think there's some questions that need to be answered regarding why we are expending blood and treasure in Syria at this point. Mm. Them flying a drone directly in, there's now rumors, and you've got a lot better contacts than I do, that maybe there was a mole, a source, somebody on the base from Syria that we think's working with us who gave them the information that this missile defense system <clears throat> we had on that base wasn't operating. That report came out earlier today as well. Do you know why the defense system wasn't fully online? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you one thing. There's a reason why we pulled out of Iraq in the middle of the night. We pulled out of Iraq in the middle of the night for two reasons. First of all, we didn't want anybody to know that we were leaving 
because when we did inform our so-called Iraqi partners of our intention to leave, we were immediately attacked. We don't have any true partners or friends in the region at this point. We need to understand that. Our presence in this place is self-defeating. It's time to get out. President Trump wanted us out in 2017. Unfortunately, he was sabotaged. We should have gotten out then. And frankly, if these people want to fight with each other at this stage, I think we should encourage them to do so. All right, let's move to the bigger stage. China, Russia, the three-day meeting. We had you on before the meeting began, I think, at the beginning of the week or last. And I said I wanted you back so we would know what you heard from your contacts, what took place behind closed doors these three days with these two world leaders, and what could they be planning next when it comes to either the war in Ukraine or God knows what. Well, I think we know now that the meetings were exactly what you and I discussed. These had much less to do with what's happening in Ukraine and a great deal more to do with their global interests. When I say global, I mean global. If you look at the so-called BRICS countries, and then you look at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Central Asian states, India, now increasingly the Middle East, all of these states are joining the de-dollarization effort. What the Russians and the Chinese have done is said, we're not going to use the dollar anymore. We're going to put a stake through the heart of the petrodollar. We're going to stay out of the financial system dominated by the United States. Hmm. And this is not good news for the United States. Uh, We have the ability to pass our debt on to others because we're the reserve currency. This has allowed us to print money and live far beyond our means. This is about to end. And when you consider this in the context of the ongoing banking crisis, this spells the end of American global dominance because we can't afford it. Mm. Colonel, just 30 seconds left, but I got to ask you this because this came out with this meetings as well. We heard that Xi may be working to try and broker a peace deal, something that I thought would be coming from either NATO or good old Joe Biden in the U.S., but of course it's not. What have you heard about that? No, you're you're absolutely right, Dan. And the Chinese are, are very sincere. They want it to end because, again, they want to build the bridges through Eastern Europe to do business with their European partners, something which is inevitable. And we should take this as an opportunity to end the war, but we are committed to this notion that we can fight this till the last Ukrainian. And even though Ukraine may be destroyed, we're trying to convince ourselves that we've somehow or another harmed Russia. The truth is the Russian military is now stronger than it's been in 30 years. And the alliance between Russia, China, and India and other states is growing, all of which we can place at the doorstep of our friend in the White House and his supporters on the Hill. Colonel Doug McGregor, as always, thanks for the um, insight and your knowledge. It is much appreciated by me and my viewers. Take care, sir. Have a good weekend. Thank you.